0: Welcome back to the Data Driven Real Estate Podcast, the podcast for real estate professionals dedicated to driving business using data. I'm Aaron Norris along with Sean O'Toole with Property Radar, and this is episode 34, featuring Ward Hannigan. Ward has one of the most interesting real estate backgrounds I've ever heard. He started as an orphan, eventually got into becoming an A&W franchisee holder in Mexico, then to stocks, commercial real estate law, uh, and then into dingbat rentals. Uh you're going to be very interested to hear his journey into real estate and later on the show, how he finally focused on a very specific niche that nobody else seems to want. And he's got marketing lists that nobody else has because of the way that he approaches his ding back rentals and now accessory dwelling units. Won't want to miss this show. Well, Ward, I really appreciate you joining us today. And my first question is what keeps you excited about investing in real estate?
1: All the girls. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, yes. You're in a different real estate business than I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's
1: just uh, it's just a quest. You know, you find out something that you like that, um, and you've mastered it. Once you've mastered it, it comes uh, from a pain in a butt to a passion. And uh, if you live long enough, I prophesize that's what's going to happen to people. And so right now it's just a passion. And I keep score you know, with uh, uh, proving over and over again to myself that uh, what I'm doing is valuable because I'm getting a lot of money to do it. And oh. as long as I can teach somebody, teaching element is, is uh, very important to me and I've never, planned, uh, that sort of thing.
2: And- well, I first came across you almost 20 years ago in 2002 when I was first starting in the foreclosure biz. Right, And I never took one of your classes because I had a very experienced uh, mentor that had done hundreds and hundreds of foreclosures. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I always wanted to come to him with smart questions. So I spent a lot of time on your site, Foreclosure Forum, to at least try to find the answer first. You know, I think that's anybody who wants a mentor out there, like try to find the answer on your own first. You'll ingratiate yourself a lot more. And uh, But yeah, your site, I, I think it was 2002, it was around and was yeah. had a lot of good information.
1: Yeah, we, we endeavor to uh, uh, use it uh, primarily uh, for the betterment of the people that came. And So I absolutely insisted we're not going to have any ads. I could care less if we made buku money with ads and all that crap and selling people's emails and all that. I'm not interested in it, okay, because I make enough money. My my you know my major foreclosure activity, and also I love the freedom. If I'm not uh, that I'm not going to step on somebody's show, uh, toes, you know, because they're an advertiser, and and I think they what they're advertising is overpriced or some other damn thing.
0: Now your background is an economist and um, law. Did you practice either of those professionally?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Why is that? That's a lot of schooling.
1: It was because of money. And uh, yeah, I, I was fascinated when I was in in junior college, and also in uh, when I went to the university in cultural anthropology. I just loved it. I'm much more interested in in society and, uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, but I got into um, I was recruited on campus uh, by IBM, and so. Uh, I became, I was more interested in sales rather than technical end of it. So I went into office equipment sales instead of computers, No, but I like the, I like the stuff you go out and meet people and talk to them and, and uh, convince them uh, to uh, make things better for themselves by buying your service or either that or buying your products. They didn't have a business major. So the next best thing was economics.
0: Yeah. So then how did you fall into real estate?
1: Fell into real estate because IBM. Um, I loved it the first year; it was all very new. Uh, second year, in fact, I did too well. I uh, in one year, sort of unheard of, but in one year, in normally you don't get to the IBM's hundred percent club, for sales for sales, where you take a, a fantastic trip uh, anywhere in the United States and uh, sometimes foreign countries as a reward for being top in your division, your district as far as sales are concerned and nailed it. uh, And I I did it in spades. And it was funny because it embarrassed. uh, There's only two guys out of the the Riverside district that went to the hundred percent club. And, uh, and I went and, and and I just, uh, uh, it pissed all the other salesmen off. So I won a uh, hundred percent club. And when I came, when we started the next year, they, they uh, increased the quota. I could care less. Fine. You want me to climb another mountain? That's okay with me. I could. That didn't bother me. But what really bothered me, and I hadn't thought about it before, was they cut my territory. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I felt. I felt like this is my territory. I had this very, very strong ownership feeling about my territory. And I'm the one that fertilized it. And I'm the one that organized, I'm the one that you know, got people just primed to buy uh with the next budget, just on and on. And I just could not get over it. I just could not get over. It. And uh and so finally in disgust, it uh I finally uh I just quit. Shocked everybody. Uh and uh the manager really wanted to find out why I quit because he didn't want to be criticized I don't think by his supervisors. Is here's his hot shot and he quits and so what the hell did you do to him? And uh so anyways, um, I left IBM for that reason. Uh, and I, uh, uh, in Hemet, there was an a and root beer stand. And in the summer, Hemet's hotter than hell. And so I would go in there on the day uh, I, uh, the day that I usually went to Hemet, whatever it was, a Wednesday or Thursday or something, and uh, drink a, uh, uh, an A&W root beer. And when I think about it now, I could have one right now. But anyhow. Uh, there's only one person in there besides me, and that's the guy that owns the joint. And so I said, "Wow, how'd you get this place?" And I'm making small talk, you know, and and this is cool. And he had the the district manager for AW Busch beer right there with his his register. He says, "Well, here, here's this guy's card, easy area manager, and if you want to talk about a franchise." And uh, wow, and I thought I thanked him for his card and. That night I thought I looked at the card and I thought aW hmm, I know enough people i are going to raise some money and buy an a- an aW franchise and I wanted to put it in Tijuana because I noticed that when I went down say I'm married a Mexican gal and she has a zillion relatives in Mexico and now that she's up to the United States they want to come up at Christmas time they want to come up on New Year's they want to they want to come up on Valentine's Day or something I'm always going down to the airport in Tijuana to pick up some friends or relatives. And, uh, uh, and while I'm waiting for the plane to come, I'm standing around and uh, I'm waiting downtown, Revolution, and there's a Woolworths drugstore there. And they got a lunch counter. And no matter when you go in, the lunch counter is, dre- is jammed with tourists. And there's a line going out the front door. They would buy Woolworths hamburgers and stuff like that because they just didn't know about how they could trust eating Mexican food. And I go, wow, I can take advantage of that. This a thing clicked in my mind. I thought, wow, a everybody knows AW. That's how I started. And I bought the AW and beer franchise for Baja California Norte. And so what I did is I raised $90,000 uh, with some... Some people that knew me. Uh, what know, year was this, Ford? That was in sixty-five-ish.
2: Wow! So it was a lot of money. It's not ninety thousand dollars today.
1: No. Yeah. And I didn't have any money to put in, so I said I'll work for nothing, for free, no salary. I'll just get my my portion of the uh, of the profit. And I thought it would be profit a lot faster. You know, than <laughs> I, was, I put a, I was completely wrong as to who my customer was. Absolutely one hundred and eighty degrees uh upside down on that one I thought it was going to be American tours going down revolution to the uh, racetrack and so I spent all this money uh and we actually built on leased land which is crazy uh and it, it the world's largest a w rooper stand at the time see I, I got out of a w and uh, and that's a story in itself as you can imagine and then so uh I stayed in San Diego, I fell in love with San Diego. I had an economics background. So I decided to become uh, go to Shearson Hamlin, La Jolla and and try uh, being a stockbroker. And again, I took off like crazy, even though I had an empty book of uh, what they call a book of customers. But I quickly found uh, out that uh, it's really a shady business. And so I saw there was a Uh, an ad in the paper, countrywide, countrywide funding. So countrywide was a brand new outfit in 1969 in Los Angeles. And a year after that, they decided to open up an office in San Diego. the first expansion. And uh, so Mozilla interviewed me. Okay.
2: Oh, personally. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, gave me the job. There was two people hired in San Diego.
2: Again, how big, how big was country? I mean, this is or it's, uh, just for other viewers. We're talking about countrywide financial, which was okay. kind of the epicenter of the foreclosure crisis. Mozilla was, you Angela, know, was a uh, a conniver, right? Uh, yeah, it, it was it, like one of the biggest names in the whole foreclosure thing. And we're talking a huge company that was yeah. still sold to Bank of America. And how big were they when you interviewed?
1: Ah, oh, it was just one DK office. You know, I mean, uh, he would use other companies' forms and copy of them, and uh, just put Countrywide's name on it. And that was the form that we would use, you know, to uh, to uh, interview people for mortgages and stuff like that. I remember one time it had a question on it, and it says uh, uh, something like, uh, uh, "Are you interested in?" Uh, uh, I'm going to shorten it up. I Like mortgage term insurance. You know, that's what it was really about. But any about. And nobody knew anything about it. My office, and I called up LA, and nobody knew anything about it up in LA. I mean, this is on Countrywide's form, and you don't know what it is, you know? So that gave me a clue that it originally was somebody else's form. So anyways, they gave a spiff if you checked yes. And because uh, uh, there was a premium that uh, was charged, you know, as they added it to every monthly payment for mortgage term insurance. We did the interview with husband and wife in their home when I was qualifying, taking the application for a loan. And I'd say, OK, Tom, when you die, not if, but when you die, uh, do you want June here to be saddled with uh, uh, the continuing payments on this mortgage? Or would you like to have the house uh, fully paid off at the time you you die? And you That's can't an easy say. show. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't say in front of his wife. No, they're struggle with the mortgage payment, and so it was a hundred percent yes, 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 and so it got to Angelo's attention that this Yahoo in San Diego, Ward Hannigan, is was uh, used up all the SNH green stamps, and uh, so he calls me up. The uh, Saturday was our sales meeting down here. It was it was up in LA. And he wanted me to come up Saturday and tell the sales force up and says, what, what was my approach on getting people to agree to paying a little extra, and and I tried to tell Angela over the phone. I said, look, it's it doesn't uh, coming out of my territory on Saturday to go up there. It doesn't. It, it isn't that. It's so simple. Let me tell you how I do it right over the phone, Angela, I mean, you could do it. It's just it's not it's not a. He listened to it. He said, hey, I told you, I want you up here. I want you at our sales meeting. It starts at 930 on Saturday. And that's the end of this conversation. Bam. So I went up there and I purposely I walked in, said, how did the guys I had about six or eight or 10 salespeople or something like that? Mr. Jones. All right. When you die, do you want Millie over here to be saddled with uh, the mortgage, having to deal with mortgage payments when now you're gone and that income's gone? or, but just for the price of a, and IBM taught me sell the difference. And so I said, just for the price of a pack of cigarettes, all right. Once a week. Okay. Uh, she could, uh, there would be completely paid off if something tragic happened to you, pal. Uh, okay. That's it. See you guys later. <laughs> I took off.
2: <laughs> that was well, anyways. So. Or you have led such a full life and, uh, Let's pull forward to uh, Dingbats and uh, and also what you're doing today because you know you are after all these years you're still after it still making it happen still closing deals I understand you got some stuff going with ADUs and let's okay. let's pull forward to today and and give folks some uh, okay some stuff they can use in the market right now
1: you know here's one man's song and yeah. uh, maybe they can sing it too. I'm convinced that we now uh, have progressed medically in both devices, and medicines, and stuff like that. Uh, treatments that the average person, if they don't play the no-no games, you know, no booze, no drugs, no, I uh, don't, alcohol, uh, all this nonsense, and uh, you're not uh, a real daredevil, you probably can have the expectancy of living approximately to a hundred. And so the problem is that you're going to be replaced, I guarantee it, you're going to be replaced at about 50 to 60 years of age, no matter how good you're at or what you're doing. And so now the problem is that since you didn't think it was important enough to create something while you had an active income, so that it would give you a passive income in the second half of your life, the second half of your life is going to be a long period of time, that's going to be uh, 40 to 50 years and so you got to get start taking something that you make out of the first half of your life all right and given an opportunity to come to fruition at the beginning of your second half so that it's going to carry you through and uh, so that turned out to for me that turned out to invest in something that I don't have to babysit invest in something that I don't have to keep spinning uh, so it doesn't require my active presence. And so that's why I say it's a passive uh, income type thing. Uh, that occurred to me when I was 40, 45. And I was making so much money in foreclosures that I didn't think that I need didn't need to 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 do anything else but that because I never made forty, fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars in a crack. And I just whoa,
2: you know. What year was that you that we were going so crazy with foreclosures?
1: I got started in foreclosures in '82. Okay, I worked for um, uh, Countrywide for about two or three years. Then I decided, you know, I can sell rings around these guys. Most of guys are selling real estate in those days. Were retired. The guys really didn't t- intend to really understand anything about mortgages and mortgage rates. And uh, let's say they sold uh, they, they they sold the house, and now they got to find a lender trying to palsy-wowsy the salespeople so that uh, they would steer the buyer to this mortgage rep or that mortgage rep or something else. And I remember was had such crappy rates because country trying to very quickly get market share. They're the new boy on the block and they want to elbow their way into the trough. And so uh, they had really low, much lower interest rates. So I remember one day, just couldn't believe it. This guy He's he t- his Tos uh, his uh mortgage to like warehouser. I, I knew warehousers uh, 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 uh their fees and everything else, and they just stunk compared to Countrywide. I said, well, Why did you do that to your clients? And he picks up a pack of Wrigley's gum, and on it, has got uh, a thing that that they gave him. That's what he got for steering the goddamn deal. I couldn't believe it. It just oh I said oh you would to really screw your uh, the, the listing that, that you got your, your owner all right for a pack of gum I walked out of the damn office and said I can do this standing on one
2: leg. Yeah, the mortgage side is real much harder in a lot of ways on all of that stuff you have to do. So you have this great combo: you got sales from IBM, right? You got entrepreneurship from AW. Now you've got you know good real estate knowledge from Countrywide and doing a bunch of mortgages. So you put all that together. You're in the real estate business. You're doing a lot of foreclosures. Jump to Dingbats.
1: Okay. So let's jump to Ding Dingbats. So one of the things you do when you start acquiring property when you're selling it. Is uh, uh, you might do a a 1031 exchange. And so I did a couple of those. And uh, one time, uh, this guy, he wanted us to take uh, from his side, not only his apartment house, but this stinking little one bedroom, one bath, old piece of junk, you know? And he dug his heels in. He said, No, I don't want this. And I, but I, and and I got it, and I'll sell, I'll, I'll agree to your trade. With uh, your property and my apartment house and stuff like that, but you got to take this thing too. Basically, I took that as part of my share of the deal. So I took this trade, and then about a year later, two years later, I completely forgot about it. And I and I t-o'd it to Eric. Said, "Hey, Eric, do something with this. You know, sell it Do something." And, and I don't know why, but about a year to two years later, I asked. I said, "Eric, what do we did we ever sell that one bedroom, one bath?" Piece of crap that we had to take. And he said, no, 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 we didn't sell it there. We still have it. And I go, what? We still got it? Yeah, we can't sell it. <laughs> Nobody wants to buy it. It's too old. And you know, blah, blah, blah. Who's gonna brag about buying a one-bedroom, a 60-year-old one bedroom, one bath house? I said, damn, you still got it. Yeah. So, well, how many times do you have to rent it out to somebody? So, oh no, is the lady that's lived there when we bought it is still there. And I go, wow. That was not my experience when I'm selling, when I was in the, uh, I got into the apartment business, by the way, okay. As an agent. So I became an agent. Uh, and when I uh, left the,
0: the, mortgage. the countrywide, yeah.
1: Yeah. Countrywide. And so I worked for 10 years then, uh, buying and selling apartment houses as an agent. And, uh, so I had gone to law school, uh, but, uh, I, Nobody wanted to hire me because I went to a no-name school, so I wasn't going to go into practice myself because I knew that I didn't really know. I only knew half of law, and that is the book part. I didn't have the experience of of uh, knowing my way around the court, how to frame an argument in front of a jury, you know, all that kind of stuff.
2: More doing apartments than practicing law.
1: Oh yeah, so I I said I'll I'll do it someday when I you know get older. Uh selling real estate, lots of times, you have to be creative with financing to put the deal together. And so uh, I uh, learned uh, uh, from a guy in uh, Phoenix, showed me how to do wraparound deeds of trust. I didn't even know what the hell he was talking about. And they're are all inclusives. And so yeah. I mastered that. And then I found out it doesn't pay to be the only person in the, your whole area that knows this because no one else wants to to uh, work a deal with you because they don't understand it. And so, how can they tell their seller, so "Let's cooperate with this, and we carry back an all inclusive deed of trust," and blah blah blah. So, I had to start a class under the uh, the aegis of the of a title company. So, I told convinced the title company that, "Hey, uh, let me teach this class in your boardroom on weekends." And uh, I have an attorney buddy I met in my law school. He was the he was the real estate attorney, but he got his license in the navy. He would come to me and breaks and this and that, and ask me what was the crux of this case that we're talking about. What was the element in this and that? And so after a while, we came pals. And uh, so I told him, said, "Hey, I need an I need to to convince the title company to let me teach a class. It's actually I want to tell them you're teaching a class. I'll show you what what you need and." Uh, What equipment you need and stuff like that. Taught uh, put this class on. It says if it was the attorney's class, and uh, that's how I I started with my. I found out that you takes two to tango. You just cannot be the only genius in town. You got to be able to do business with other people, and you got to. And if they're not there, ah, you got to train somebody so that you you can, you know, dance. I that started your
2: career in real estate education, then, because you've had a long career now doing that and teaching people the oh, business. Yeah. And that was the first one.
1: Yeah, probably right. And I started I started buying uh, commissions from other salespeople that uh, you know were living on a dime, and and so we would be splitting commissions because we tell somebody, hey, um, let's do a wraparound deed of trust, so we don't have to pay off that mortgage. And we're going to do it in such a way that it'll never be discovered that you're getting around the due-on-sale clause, and I had to explain all that kind of stuff.
2: And so, I, just, I want to explain for our viewers really quickly a wrap-around deed of trust. So, if I, as the owner, I have a, a good mortgage at a good rate, and you want to buy the house for me, right? But maybe you can't qualify or you can't get as good a rate. What we do is we put a wrap around my existing mortgage that says you're going to make payments basically to me, and I'm going to make payments on that mortgage and you get to now live in the house. So you get to become the new owner. You're going to give me a mortgage, but I'm going to keep my mortgage. And so it wraps around and that's, that's the all inclusive. It includes the underlying mortgage or wraparound mortgage. And then you get
1: sophisticated and you make sure it's collected by a neutral third party, a note collection service here in San Diego. It's called uh, Toro something, Toro note collection or something. So it wouldn't come undone, because sometimes the guy that you sold to originally, he now turns around and sells it to somebody else, and he doesn't explain it quite good enough and starts to come apart. Anyways, one of these, my my all-inclusive mortgages, it was sold, the property, the apartment house was sold uh, more than once or twice after I sold it. And uh, so uh, all of a sudden now, the guy that the original owner, who we wrapped his mortgage calls me up and says, Ward, he said, you convinced me to carry back this all-inclusive deed of trust, and now uh, there's no payments on it. What the hell am I supposed to do? And I said, well, you start a foreclosure. And he said, well, how do I do that? We started getting into the details, you know, that motivated me. I'm going to law school at the time. That motivated me to go to law library and got every book written on foreclosures in Cal- California foreclosures, not interested in other states, California foreclosures, I started buying uh, wraparound mortgages because nobody wanted to buy a wraparound, all right? People in town would like to buy a mortgage for some income and incident, but oh, no, no, they want an ordinary mortgage agent, nothing new. And so I knew that I could drive a, a better bargain by willing to buy, if I'm the only willing buyer, all right, I don't have to be as much as if everybody knew what that was. And so I have mortgages coming out of my ears. And, uh, and what I didn't like about mortgages, and I still don't to this day, is that uh, uh, that the person in control is the payer. Because if the interest is, is up here, and he can find a new loan down here, all right, uh, then it, he's logically going to want to refi. And so I get paid off earlier than expected. I found out later, there's a lot of wisdom in not trying to uh, get the the greatest part of a deal, you got to have leave something in for the other side, or they don't have no incentive to stay in the deal. In you know? And that took learning.
2: On that apartment deal, you ended up with the dingbat, right? Um yeah. uh, The the one bedroom, one bath tenant had stayed in there for a while, right? And which was a surprise to you because in apartments you saw a lot of turnover. You see, so you I were surprised this person stayed in.
1: You get turn, a lot of turnover. Because I had actually, I, I really had ex- experience with one bedrooms. I had, I, got, I convinced a guy to buy uh, a, a six unit apartment building, and they were all one bedroom, one bath. It was like a friggin' motel, because you know people are just coming and landing and and, and finding, uh, uh, getting their whereabouts uh, uh, of the town and and this and that, and, and so they didn't want to make any commitment until they found the 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 best place to buy a house, and they understood the town and where the values were, you know, all that kind of stuff. So they stayed a year, and, and they would leave. And uh, so uh, I had 100% turnover, and I was a great manager. So my bias was, I don't want one bedroom, one bath. I mean, you couldn't find a guy that was more polarized and saying, one bedroom, one bath. stick it. In spite of that, I was so curious because my experience with the apartment houses, they just leave the lousy tenants and on, and on and here's this little lady she's doing nothing uh, uh uh terrible to the property she keeps it clean and neat she pays promptly on time she's very sweet and on and on and I God, the, the, the difference between this and this and it just got me very very curious and so, so I found out that she's on this thing called section eight and I found out she's really not paying us to rent section eight is paying us directly to our checking account, she pays a tiny part, 10 to 20% of the rent out of her own pocket. And the government, the federal government, through Section 8, pays their difference. And wow. And so it's very hard to find landlords that agree to Section Eight situation. And so she just absolutely was petrified that I was going to sell the property and she'd have to move or... Uh, I was, uh, so she never wanted to to do anything wrong, noise wise, uh, taking care of the property just on and on and on. And, uh, wow. So I started super
2: reliable tenants going to stay there forever, completely different situation.
1: No. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be forever. I tried, you know, in fact, actually I said, Oh, well, if that works, maybe I'll do a duplex. And so, (laughs) Two places didn't work. I couldn't figure out why for a while. Now I know. And uh, anything else, it it has to be, must absolutely have to be a single, standalone, one bedroom, one bath, one story house. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to jeopardize uh, uh, the amount of time they stay in. Right now, they're staying 24 to 26 years. That's how
2: long your tenants are staying tenants of your properties.
1: And so can you imagine a cash flow coming in at, you know, 180, 200, uh, 240 months without interruption, not one
2: interruption. All right. And And these these properties are are selling cheap because nobody wants them.
1: Nobody wants them. And I love that. I love what nobody wants. Man, you're talking to the right guy. And I just have this big smirk on my face, you know, all the time. And right now, as a consequence, I have 20. I have, and almost all of them have been there 20, 25 years, and, uh, uh, but the dingbat, the brand new one, the ADU that I built on the back of the house that I already own, boy, is she a gem, why? Because she's young, she's 51 years old, okay, is an odd quirk, or missing cog or something, uh, uh, doesn't allow her to hold a regular job. But other than that, she can live alone, she takes care of her property, she can cook, she eats, she does us, she drives car, blah, 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 blah. So, anyways, uh, she pays me $1,383 a month, okay, for the that's the payment standard uh that section eight goes to on a one bedroom. If it's a two-bedroom, it's more, if it's three-bedroom, and they go up to six bedrooms. So it's a zero bedroom if it's a loft or a a studio. There you go. Uh, so zero to about six, most of the time five. And uh, but I'm now very if I got a deal, I would I would, I would, uh, I would, oh, okay, sure, I'll i buy a two-bedroom. And they would buy a two-bedroom house. And so they only stayed about half the time. And so most people would give their eyeballs for somebody that would stay, you know, 15 years. But wow. Jesus, I could have had 30, you know, or or 25 at least. Let's sell it. And so I got around to purging my collection and selling out every. Uh, anything that did not uh, match the profile. I mean, I even have uh, duplexes with one bedroom in the front and one bedroom in the back. Absolutely, it doesn't work as good. They, they It's a, about uh, turnover about once every 12 years. You have a common, what's the real problem is a common wall, okay? People, spelled especially elderly, treasure more than anybody, right? Peace and quiet. And so if you have a common wall, with a neighbor, ah, as far as they're concerned, it's driving them nuts. Or they might have an angel, all right? But then that angel moves out, and all of a sudden, out comes a turd as as the, the guy on the other side of that wall. And, oh, man, you know, and then she wants to move. So I get two vacancies. He's moving because he's an idiot, and she moves because she's all riled up that the guy, is uh, he's he has the audacity to be playing his TV after 9 o'clock at night, you know? stuff like that and these houses so are, are old you, how, sound travels through them like you know a tissue box
2: so you've got all these one bedrooms and some of them have enough land i guess to add adus so now you're adding one bedroom adus and that's not upsetting the apple cart because it's no now, common wall and
1: now most of the time i wish that was it but most of the time they're, they're not on over a large enough lot to allow a building another adu okay it. it just happened to be that particular uh neighborhood called Shelltown in San Diego that was designed from the get-go in 1940. I was born in 1940, so 80 years ago, uh then zone so that you could put a house in the front facing the street and a house in the back facing an alleyway. Wow. Um, and so now in that 80 years it's now little by little it's been completely built out. Okay. And so uh but there's enough left over that uh if I live long enough, what I'm going to do is go through those neighborhoods. Here's my new plan is to, is to uh, go to a guy who never took advantage of building anything on the back end of the property. And I say, listen, I want to do a deal which It's not going to cost you a penny out of your pocket. Not now, not ever. OK, I'm going to build a house that you're going to see because I have the availability to show it to you. And the inside, the tenant is happy to get uh, 25 to 50 bucks for me to open it up and let us walk inside, but you're going to admit that it's a really very 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 nice ADU, okay? It's only 492 square feet. I had it specially uh, designed by a uh, an architect who took my son's ideas and my ideas, put them together, and we got the ideal, the most fantastic ideal unit for a an elder citizen. It's got 36-inch wide doors everywhere. It's got not one stair in the whole place. It's super insulated, uh, so they're not wasting their energy uh, you know, or it gets overheated or too cold and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I even put in for some future uh, tenant uh, to plug in their electric car. So I got an electric outlet to handle uh, charging electric cars. So 90% of my tenants don't have enough money to have a car, you know? And that's, that's, so uh, we're
2: running out of time. Oh, so that's new for me. You've got this amazing ADU, and uh, you're partnering now with folks that own these special lots in, in Shelltown and putting the ADU in the back. Yeah, and
1: I use all my own money because I got tons of it. So I'm using my money and I build everything. So not a penny out of the pocket. And then for the next 25 years, I manage it. Okay. If anything goes wrong, I pay for it. Never a penny out of his pocket, but I get all the rent for it. Okay.
2: What if they decide they want to sell? What happens then?
1: I've made all my money back plus another several hundred thousand dollars. And I can bet on it.
2: Keep going. Unfortunately, I have a hard stop right now. So I'm going to go and say goodbye, Ward. Awesome to uh, to have you on and uh, learn so much from you over the years. And thank you for all that you've given to so many in the, the real estate business. And, and I'll let you guys continue.
0: Because I, I want to back up for a second and explain how brilliant it is what you just did. So it's a list that nobody else is going to have. So you're talking about a very specific neighborhood where it was des- designed with an alley where it's almost like you can come in and build this ADU and put a wall down the center of the lot. And for all intents and purposes, it's two separate units completely two right. detached separate units, right? Right. On one piece of ground. And the design wise, that's perfect. And you already know the ADUs that work. Um, is there a garage on these or is it just. You no,
1: know, most of the, most section eights don't have enough money to afford a car. And so it's not a negative if you have no parking. All right. she's going to be walking everywhere. The breeze. I had uh, some space on the back, all right, to put a driveway and I elongated it so that you could have tandem parking. So you put two spaces and you approach it, of course, from the alley. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh, but, um, and uh, just a fluke, uh, this gal that I put in, uh, she needed two uh, off street parking places because her daughter, who is ready to leave, probably has already gone on because she's. She only had um, another uh, year in school, and she's going to move to somewhere in LA. Uh, but she got extra money from uh, the state because uh, she had a daughter. Okay, and that so they're going to pay more for dependent. And uh, but um, so most of the time, uh, if I can do it while I'm constru- uh, building the house, uh, yeah, why not put the uh, the parking uh, uh, driveway. I didn't ha- I don't have, uh, there's nothing over it. In other words, it's just a, it's just a, uh, a driveway in the back. And uh, so then I noticed, well, okay, so here's a, there's an alleyway and an alley. You know, the difference between an alleyway and an alley is an alley is wider and an alley allows some parking in the back mm-hmm. and has lighting. Okay. This is an alleyway. So it's, it's not wide enough to allow parking and it has no lighting well, think of yourself as a 60 to 65 year old gal, is she going to want to walk at night coming home? uh, I mean, after she's goes to the supermarket, that's three blocks away and carry groceries in a dark alley, and there's no lights and on and on. So I said, now uh, that's going to maybe agitate or bother her enough to where uh, she might want to move faster than 25 years. So what I did was I, 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 um, put a sidewalk on the inside of my property line, going from my unit all the way up the property line on, on the East side to the sidewalk in the front
2: Hmm.
1: and put a gate on there and put the mailbox there. Okay. Ah. And then I, in this, uh, in this gate that I built halfway, uh, you know, the the gate that split the lot, I put a gate, uh, I'm excuse me, a fence and, uh, so that, and that's uh, operated uh, to where the people in the front can't come in her yard and she can't go really in their yard uh, she, uh, because the fence is kind of like a quarter. And it uh, uh, gives some security and privacy to both people. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, how it worked.
0: So she can decide whether to park in the front or the back then as well.
1: Yeah, but the problem with the front, the street, is when you have – When you have a single lot, but you have two houses on almost every single lot, you've doubled the population and neighborhood. And so now there's almost always two families or more living in each house. And so the available Mm. parking is premium. (laughs) premium. In fact, I got a thing going on in my mind that if she ever moves, I get a gal that doesn't have a um, uh, car. uh, I'm thinking, I'll tell you what, sweetheart, why don't I rent out the parking space? to someone in the neighborhood, all right? And I'll split the rent with you 50-50.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, when you're approaching people that you don't own the property, what happens if they decide to sell? Um, well, is...
1: I put on a property. See, so I can't lease the land because if you lease more than three years, and I want to go 25 years, uh, then the assessor considers it the equivalent of a sale and wants to reassess the property. So I know he's not going to want to do something which causes a reassessment of his property, increasing his taxes, and uh, he not getting some money for that. Okay. So uh, I figured out okay, there are forgiveness loans out there for cities for whatever reason. They want to get cops to move into tough neighborhoods and this and that. They'll provide uh, a junior note, and which is usually the down payment. And if he stays there 10 years or five years or whatever the time period is, they'll forgive the note. You won't have to pay it. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's not an installment note, all right? It's a straight note, no payments until the end, and so that induces that that uh, a doctor or that whatever uh, to stay in that neighborhood uh, and uh, and and normalize the neighborhood, right, with cops and stuff like that. So I've got that. I've got a forgiveness note. So if he if for some reason whatever who cares uh, they want to sell the property and in and that, Uh and they want to pay off my loan. But my loan is going to be for the exact amount that it costs me to build it. Okay. Okay. And uh and then it's going to have an interest rate that's going to be modest. Okay. And uh, but it's not going to be due and payable uh if I am allowed to stay there in place for 25 years and collecting the rent.
0: That is very interesting. Now I, you and I br- briefly talked about this. There's two different ways to approach a stick build. Well, for the stick build structure of the 452, uh, 92 square feet, there might be a reassessment by the county, um, a little bit of property taxes. So the owner might have to pay property tax unless it's a structure like a tiny home. So, if
1: Yeah, the tiny homes um, are too impermanent for me and I think would be too impermanent for uh, my tenant Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to get rich in life, and I really believe in this, find out what your customer wants, and then, then what deliver it. <laughs> yeah, give it to them. Okay, and so yeah, I didn't know who my customer was. See, because I thought a tenant was a tenant was a tenant that I never distinguished between, uh, uh, you know, senior as a tenant, someone on Section Eight as a tenant, or you know that kind of thing. And I, all of a sudden, I had to sit down and figure out. Who am I really want as a customer? So I just say, you know, birds of feather do what? Lock together. together. So where do seniors go? Where do older people go? Oh, senior rec center. Wow. So you're not going to find any 18 to, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) 49-year-olds going to a senior rec center and learning how to play bocce ball or something. So good idea. And then I learned that they have senior nutrition centers. Ah, that is a gem. So uh, I, I don't have to advertise anywhere. I do once in a while in Section 8's uh, a nationwide um, uh, website. It's called GoSection8.com. You go there and drill down to the state you're interested to, the county, the city, blah, blah, blah. And you'll find a bulletin board set aside for that local area for landlords and tenants to announce themselves okay and uh, but I the way I like is with the way I uh, I I, uh, I think I invented and that is uh, these nutrition centers there's many nutrition centers in a, uh, a, a metropolis as there are branch libraries because mm. my neighborhood so San Diego is an example we have 18 um, a senior nutrition centers and we have 15 branch libraries in san diego wow okay so if you ever wonder where that's going to be where it is in your neighborhood just find out where the the, the branch library is and you'll find you're probably going to be uh, uh, a uh, nutrition center in that little in that community that neighborhood and so um, they usually start at 11 o'clock in the morning and they go to about Uh, Right at noon. They don't give breakfast and most of them don't give supper. I've heard some of them do, but, anyways, most of them it's just a lunch, a nice, nutritious uh, uh, lunch that's kind of like um, I call it orphanage food because I grew up in an orphanage where you have casseroles and you have, you know, uh, a biscuit.
0: Right, the basics.
1: you You have overcooked lima beans and all that kind of stuff. Okay so but it's real cheap it's three dollars uh if you're a senior uh of course being government they can't not let you uh be a, a a customer uh and you might have a guest but if somebody's younger than 62 then they pay uh double so it's like six dollars or maybe seven dollars rather than three for the senior
0: so okay? do, you, do you go and sponsor uh, or how do you how are you connecting there
1: well, what I do is I go on Lombardi time. So if the thing starts at 11 o'clock, I'm there at 1045, 15 minutes early to make sure I'm at the head of the queue or the line that is starting to we'll start right about on 11. And I want to be at the head of the line because I'm going to have about 20 or 30 flyers, a picture of my vacancy and uh, some of the pertinent stuff about it and direction of how to get there. And. A, a, an offer that, hey, uh, if you want us to pick you up and uh, take you and show it to you and take you back home, fine. Because some of them are so poor, they, can't, they don't want to spend money for, the, for Uber or uh, a cab. And so I'm there. So when someone comes up behind me, it's just very sociable and logical. I would turn around and say, oh, hi, my name's Ward. What's yours? And you say, Aaron. And I go, oh, Aaron, you look a little bit too prosperous to uh, uh, be uh, uh, enrolled in Section 8. But I bet you, you get a lot of friends and accomplices, not accomplices, but acquaintances, and uh, uh, maybe even relatives are on Section 8. And uh, not as lucky as you, uh, but what I want to do is give you a flyer in case any of those people all of a sudden need uh, to find another place to land because they're being displaced, because somebody bought the dinky little house and... Now they got to find somewhere else to live. And according to Section 8 rules, if they don't use their entitlement uh, after 90 days, then Section 8 feels free to give it to somebody else.
0: I did so not know got that.
1: 90 days to, to find someplace. And so they're kind of panicky. So you could be a great help to them, Aaron, if, mm-hmm. if you have my flyer, because it's got my name and number, and I got a lot of units in this area, and just give it to them. And, I, and maybe at that time, I might have a vacancy. So why don't you take one? So he does. Well, you and I know he probably is on Section 8, but right. doesn't want to admit it to a stranger. So I'm saying, ah, look too prosperous. <laughs> I like and then it. I just, and then I go, Aaron, you want to get ahead of me? Oh, yeah, sure. So nobody can get upset because I let you. They're ahead That's of the me. Line. Yeah. And so then I, and I inchworm, I call it. I inchworm myself down the line. So by the time uh, uh, the line starts moving, I'm at least halfway through it, handing out my flyer. Cause they don't want anybody handing anything out there. Okay. And so I'm hidden cause I'm part of the line. I think it's cool.
0: <laughs> well, it's a list that nobody else has, what a creative way to target a market that is not on TikTok or probably social media all that much. It's, it's just a very unique way to approach the business. I've always loved the ding bat rental. Um, yeah. I la- I told Sean before we got on the air that I'm like, I think at one point his average stay was like 17 years. Well, I guess we haven't, a- I hadn't asked that in <laughs> a long time. So to have that long of a stay is insane. How well, People how are living tenants-
1: a lot longer now, even the oldest.
0: Well, how are they as tenants as far as calling you and needing things?
1: Never, never. Really? Their, their attitude is that they're effusive, absolutely effusive. And I need, I use this, by the way uh uh in their gratitude right and so you might ask me okay word let's say using your technique of of getting in line at the senior nutrition center and holding out flyers you said 20 what if three of the people in line or four you know uh, call you up and they want to take a look at it and and they want an application and and now my question is well how do you decide amongst these three people or four people which one to take and my answer is the one who is uh, very, very uh, uh, obvious. Uh, uh, exhibiting gratitude, they'll thank me for giving them an application. They'll thank me for uh, uh, you know letting me uh, let them see the the unit. They thank and, if, and 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 it never stops. But I found out is when they're paying me every month. I have one lady. And I have not just one lady. But I have a couple of ladies, but just one one. She for thirty some years, right? She sent me a the rent in a thank you card every month, every single month. That's sweet. All right, and and, and she's blessing me in Spanish. You know uh, that such a wonderful landlord, and you know blah blah blah. And so she stayed she stayed until she had to move out. People say, How long am I gonna be staying here? And I said, until you have to go out feet first. You think that would irritate them? Oh, they love hearing that. Because they <laughs> really. Yeah. I remember <laughs> one time she's at this gal, she was so funny. She says, Really, I've been I've been upset by or surprised by landlords that tell me that, but it doesn't turn out to be the truth. And I said, You got a pin. And she said, Well, yes, I need a pin. I said. So she went and got me a pin. And I said, Okay, I'm gonna prick my finger with this pin and I'm gonna write in blood that I'm you can stay as long as you want. No, 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 you don't have to do that.
0: <laughs> well, I just I love when we get a chance to talk about niches on the show and realizing people can bring, you know, their passion or find a really hyper local niche that nobody else wants or owns. I mean, this is definitely very nichey.
1: And my my experience, Sean, is you don't have to be concerned about blabbing about it to everybody around you or in it. Nobody, but nobody, but nobody does it. I've, I have a class, and I teach people how to do this. You think that you know after you paid me nine hundred dollars, you know you'd go out and use it and do it. And I give you the manual, all the forms. I tell you, call me anytime you you get stuck. This doesn't end here. You know it ends when you die. Cause I don't talk to dead people, but you know, and so anyhow, it, I, I, I have trained probably, I don't know, let's say two dozen people, not one of them has yet done it.
2: Hmm. Not why, do one you, of
1: them. why do you think that is? I think what it is, is some a day, some a day. I'm going to do this some a day, some a day, some a day. And they just put it off and put it off and put it off. They're actually a little bit embarrassed that when I see them, that oh I know you're going to ask me if I got started yet. But no. And I have one gal that didn't bother taking my class. She heard about it because I was given a talk out in in Palm Desert, and um, uh, we needed a, uh, about another thirty minutes uh, to fill the time. And so, besides talking about the trustee organizer of the club, says, Hey War, why don't you tell them about that crazy thing you got what do you call it ding something or other thing right so I did she was in the audience her jaw dropped <laughs> and she whoa and so then she 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 uh, um, had a million and one questions and she was getting so excited and on and on so I said you call my number anytime you want and blah 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 and that uh, so she never took the class. She took the class over the phone, you know, asking me all the questions and blah, blah, blah. And, and now that's, that's five years ago. She's got 10. Mm. 10. On 10. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And she was, she called me up. Her name is Julie. So, or this is Julie. And she says, you know, I don't think I ever thanked you because I'm doing my taxes. And I now notice that I am making about $4,000 a month free and clear, all right, off of my rentals. I got mortgage payments and this and that, but net, net, net. And I did that. In fact, I now see that I can retire and have a very, very solid income. And you're right. Nobody moves. Nobody's creating any aggravations on and on. And (laughs) so <laughs> go figure. She 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 just did it by dint of constant calling me and this and that. And uh and and I had fun uh and, and uh you know showing her she uses she buys different size properties, two bedrooms, uh okay with her. I prophesize that she's she's gonna have a much higher vacancy rate than I do. And so it's it's gonna be working out to be probably she has a vacancy probably every five years, and she's rents to younger people. Her heart goes out to uh, uh, wounded warriors type. Mm. And uh, so I said, Well, you're going to find out that even though they're wounded, they got a mindset of a 28 year old, and so a wanderlust and, and not being stuck in one spot all their life, and they want to go out and see the world, and they're going to do it in a wheelchair or, or with a, uh, you know an artificial leg or something. And so she does have, but her eyes are open, she does have a much higher vacancy than I would tolerate. Okay. And it's a program called VASH. Veterans is V, it's a it's a combination of VA and a Section 8. Okay. Yeah. And uh yeah. so uh but she now knows she's forewarned, and first from me and then then through experience, that um it's not uh, as perfect as what I
0: well, 25 years, most people would be very happy with half that uh, turn rate. So we, we have run out of time. We've gone way over um, and we, we didn't get, we'll have to have you back another time to talk about title. My brother went to your course. I know a lot of people who've gone through your course. I'm going to be going through your title course as soon as we finally get uh, to meet. I want to go through it in person. Um, you are one of the most creative and well-loved people in the business. I think they should name ADUs after you, actually. So, about <laughs> <Ding laughs> ADUs. I like it. But you know what? If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: The best way, actually, is call our office number. at 619-283-5444. Or we still have our website up for the foreclosure game, though I think it's over. And that is the uh, www.foreclosureforum.com. There is a archive of a ton of articles I've written. And some of it uh, can be germane uh, today. uh, Some not. I have handy little things like how to roach-proof your property. Absolutely guaranteed roach-proof. Do it to one time. You don't have to do it again. Hmm. And uh, stuff like that. Um, And... So, uh, yeah, or give us a call. I love phone calls. Um, in fact, I'll do anything to generate more phone calls because that's what keeps me on my toes and keeps me sharp. It's people asking me these questions and it forces me to review that subject matter before it's gone stale, you know.
0: And if you go to the San Diego Creative Investors Association live, Ward is typically in the back at a table and more than willing to answer questions, which I've always appreciated. So, Ward, I will make sure to definitely post all that information on the website. And thanks. Thank you for listening to the Data Driven Real Estate Podcast. You can find show notes and links to some of the resources mentioned in the show at datadrivenrealestate.com. Click that, join the community, and you'll be forwarded to the Property Radar community where you can ask questions about the current show and even see upcoming guests and ask questions there. We'd love to engage with you in the community, so check it out. Please don't forget to like, favorite, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform where you're listening to the show. It helps us out a great deal. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.